0: ...downfield, underthrowed and intercepted. has an escort down the sidelines. Heartbreak. Oh, the to the Letdown.
1: The Choke. These are words Atlanta sports fans are
0: all too used to hearing. Until Dansby. now. Dansby to first base. Is this No more negative
1: expectations, no more playing the victim, no
0: more weather Freelayers,
1: no more.
0: 38-yard field goal by Morton Anderson, the hold, the kick, it's on the way, it's up and it is! The Falcons are going to the Super Bowl!
1: The Falcons
0: are going to the Super Bowl! From the mesmerized studios in Woodstock, Georgia, Believe Entertainment proudly presents Believe in Atlanta Sports with your hosts, Robert Tate and the commissioner, Mark Rich. Hello, Atlanta sports fans, and welcome back to the greatest show on earth. Not the greatest show on turf, because we're just two dudes at a desk in a room. But as far as the earth goes, you're never going to find another Atlanta sports podcast, quite like ours. And welcome back from what was an exciting weekend. Not everything played out how we wanted it to, but the biggest one that played out was Georgia toppled Tennessee. The willing participants, the volunteers go down. We've got some little nuggets of Braves. We got another wild one in Mercedes Benz. So lots to talk about. And, uh, and, and if you're new to the scene, I'm your host, Robert Taylor, over here. Directly across from me is the commissioner, Mark Rich, and he's going he's okay. to carry us for a little while today because, again, uh, I had a, a pretty busy weekend and didn't get to watch uh, as much as I would have liked. But, of course, the commissioner's everywhere. If there's a sporting event going down in this town, he's involved somehow. He's I don't know. Did you do the, the double-double? Didn't make the double-double. Did not
1: get a chance to. It, it was actually even better. I did something I previously thought impossible. I got to take my son to see 8 Mile in the theater for the first
0: time. Now, is this like a re-release or a remastered? uh... My son
1: is 20. It is the 20th anniversary of the release of 8 Mile. They randomly put it out in theaters so I could have ran frantically to State Farm and try to get there by the second quarter. After watching the Georgia-Tennessee game, instead we ate chicken wings, watched the second half of the Georgia-Tennessee game, and strolled peacefully into that theater.
0: And I got to watch that young man enjoy Eight Mile for the first time. And watch Cheddar Bob do his uh, do his thing. That's my favorite character from Eight Mile. Cheddar Bob's <laughs> he's my, funny. F- my favorite part about the whole thing is, and he's like, man, it's gonna be really weird now.
1: Uh, when I watch Marvel movies and I see the Falcon, and the only thing I can think about is
0: him being Papa Doc. And yeah. I was like, yes, you are totally my kid. Wonderful. His, his real name is Clarence. But uh, So let's get this thing started. Uh, like like I said, it was a big weekend. Uh, Braves fans, you can breathe a collective sigh of relief in knowing that we don't have to live in a world where Bryce Harper and the Philadelphia Sillies are world champions. And I'm not sorry about that. I'm Houston only asked, sorry for Michael. Nah, you know, no, nope, no love for Phillies fans. I know you listen. I know you follow us. Uh, we have not met yet, but Mark says you're a great dude. But sorry, not sorry. I'm glad your team lost. I don't ever want to see Philadelphia win anything ever. But that doesn't Nancy mean we can't Kerrigan, be Jalen Hurts. Then doesn't uh, doesn't mean we can't be pals and and uh, you know have a friendly yeah, conversation. To yeah. But when it comes to Philadelphia Phillies, I don't ever want them to succeed ever period. I want them at the bottom of the NL East. Um, but hey, you know, that just that's just me. Um uh, I got another uh, great uh, acquaintance, Paul Favorite. Big Philly guy. Sorry, Paul. Your 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 4th of July pool parties have been a joy to attend over the years, but I don't want you to ever get the satisfaction of watching Philly win the world. I don't. I'm sorry. You you and him and his wife Kanish, they're they're wonderful people. Some of the nicest people I've ever met. Want everyone don't want everything good for you from, from Philly and your and your team. Sorry, I want them to lose always. And this is the beauty of sports. Yes, yes, yes. But so, but a good thing about Houston uh winning the World Series is Snicker's son Troy, who's the hitting coach for Houston, he gets a ring one year after dad. And say what you want, but this guy was in the Braves organization, played for him, very well known around baseball, Dusty Baker. He's never gotten a ring. He got his ring. Well, he had one as a player, but never as a manager. And he got his first ring as a manager, and I think that was uh well deserved. And uh, you know, Will Smith, that lucky son of a gun, uh, you said he was this year's Jock Peterson. He uh he gets shipped out of Atlanta for really not performing up to snuff. Goes back to Houston, and now he's got two big old rings, the sport around town. One for Houston, one for Atlanta. But it's now officially, officially, officially the off season. Baseball's done. Uh, the Rockies in Atlanta made the very first trade, and we get Sam Hilliard from the Rockies. He's kind of a journeyman outfielder. Nothing much to write home about, but, depth. you know, m- depth. Maybe one of those uh, kind of money ball analytics guys. I know it's like one of those crazy P-war in-map whatever numbers (laughs) is it was really good like I said I didn't uh, I didn't get specific specifics on his uh, numbers but you know somewhere in the neighborhood of like the 270s is what he was batting and nothing great again but he could come to Atlanta and and impress off the bench or or whatever we'll see or he could be a piece that gets moved on later you know just trade capital moving things around Uh, we don't know much about the Dansby Swanson saga, other than it's come out now that he did receive an offer in the neighborhood of around a hundred million from Atlanta earlier in the season, it was turned down. But that's how things. That's how the, it's like a jumping off point. Uh, but you said, which was surprising to me, but we couldn't we couldn't uh, find it again. Maybe we'll try to dig through as we're talking. But that the Braves removed him from social media.
1: I I don't I I think they just like like his picture is i I've tried to look it up um but it I saw an article that said something along the lines of um Dansby removed from Braves header and Dansby unfollows Braves on social media but I
0: could could be much ado about nothing because could, we have yeah. seen that before another like I made sure it didn't and, come from fan sided. I know yeah that much. yeah. So it could be, could be sometimes players mess around. You know, I think, uh, Kyler Murray was messing around with his social stuff with Arizona and they unfollowed each other or whatever. But like two days later, it was, Oh, it was nothing. I was a new phone or some craziness. Like who knows, but could be something could be nothing. You know, we just have to, we just have to wait and see, but another, uh, free agent departure from the Braves. And I don't, I can't say free agent. unless he's just departing the Braves, but, uh, the well-known uh, in-game talent been there for 16 years Mark Owens is is leaving so if you those of you who aren't familiar uh, I don't know where you've been then because the guy's everywhere at the stadium but you know when the tool race comes out he's your MC and when the, the freeze and the 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 stolen base challenge and he's just everywhere that's Mark Owens for those of you who maybe don't know but if you're if you call yourself a Braves fan and you don't know who Mark Owens is then I got nothing for you really. But. Yeah,
1: if you don't if you don't feel like you know Mark Owens personally just from going to Braves games and hearing him on the radio for a little while uh, you're not doing Braves right.
0: Yeah, so he's stepping down. Uh they're going to be having uh you know talent auditions and stuff like that and man, I reached out to a buddy and said how how do I get in on that? Like how can I uh submit a video or something so i'm hey why not you know what i mean i'm, I'm not going to hold my breath that uh, you'll see me running around the stadium on a nightly basis for 82 games but we can dream
1: just be, like we're going to be, be fun
0: we're going to be dreaming tonight i think they uh that used to be only two days a week but i read now that they're going to have a powerball drawing monday wednesday and saturday and it's like 1.9 billion
1: i should probably get a ticket i have this will be my third
0: one since i saw it kind of skyrocketing out of control and man you know when it gets that high i don't care you can you can talk about odds or whatever all you want like you know i'll be killed by a vending machine and you'll be eaten by a shark before either one of us wins the lottery but man why not spend two or three bucks to take a chance at close to two billion dollars why did you give me the like likely way to die you you're gonna get
1: killed by a vending machine but i could get eaten by a shark
0: well, see, the odds of being killed by a vending machine are greater than that of being eaten by a shark because that's what I tell my my sisters. Are, really? Yeah, they won't get in the ocean. Like, I'll get in the ocean and be like, there's a shark over there, and there's one over there, and they're ah! But, no, literally, uh, you will have a vending machine fall on you and kill you before you you have any encounter with a shark. Fair enough. I looked it up. Okay. I did look, because I, I had to tell them that because I'm... I rescind my disdain. Yeah, you know one of those, you know, you know those nights where, like, Well, I don't know. Like, I'm just not into TV a lot lately. Like, I watch a little bit of it. But what I do lately is, like, for an hour, I always make sure that Valerie falls asleep first because I snore a little bit and I have this mouthpiece, blah, 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 whatever. So, she's out. But, you know, while hey, let's let let her get to sleep. Let her be asleep for, like, an hour or so, and then, then I'll nod off. Chances are she won't wake up or anything. So, while I'm doing that, I'm just in those YouTube rabbit holes. Or you just, like... You just you know do the Wikipedia for sharks, and then you scroll down, and it's like attacks, and then you hit this link, and the next thing you know, you're on some page that's uh, telling you the odds of everything else that will happen to you before you're uh, attacked or uh, have an encounter with a shark. And vending machine is is higher. So okay, but man, I just can't even. Uh, man, if we uh, if either one of us hits 1.9 billion in the lottery, we're gonna build like our own uh, believe in Atlanta sports complex. We're going to have, like, a professional wiffle ball stadium, like a a putting green, driving range, a permanent set. Professional wiffle ball stadium is, man, right up my alley. That sounds yeah. amazing. Uh, Man, th- there's professional leagues. Mm-hmm. Like, I kind of want Now, I would be terrible at it because those guys are, I mean, you can't hit them. There was a guy, uh, one of those professional wiffle ball guys, I just saw a video, again, one of those rabbit hole nights, it was like Vlad Jr., like uh, three or four, like, boppers, but just whiffing like crazy. This dude, you know, the aerodynamics of the wiffle ball, they can throw, like, a reverse curveball and all this craziness, but he was just striking them out, making them look foolish one after another. So I would not – I don't know what I would do. Maybe I'll just try to be an umpire or something. Or I bet they finished filming
1: that video and really glad they were cashing their Major League Baseball checks and not their yeah. Major League Wiffle Ball checks. Yeah.
0: Man, we're going to have a – Here's another one I want to try and it's been around a while but I guess now it's like starting to have like about a to say re- pickleball yeah resurgence but pickleball like that, that that's always fun so we're going to have a pickleball court it, everything pretty much like the place that Bobby and them built up near Emerson that big sports That's we're going to duplicate that I think I I saw that the the cash
1: cash is somewhere like 826 million yeah, we we could probably you walk away walk away after taxes with eight hundred and twenty six million dollars.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll take uh, you know I'll take like four thirteen. You take four thirteen. Sweet. I think we can. I think we'll, we'll squeak by on that. We'll, we'll build think. a compound
1: for sure. Oh man, are you kidding just me? Just one street, a house on each end of the street, and nothing but coolness in between.
0: Uh, I'm gonna buy a neighborhood and just bulldoze it. Okay, thousand acres on a lake somewhere. I don't know. We'll we'll figure it out because. Can we buy a whole lake? Well, you, man, we'll have one built. Okay. Money talks. We'll find a local congressman and be like, hey, man, you got 15 million for your super PAC or, or whatever, you know, whatever you we're, need. We're going to need a lake. Yeah. We're going to need, we're going to need permits. you to, yeah, we're going to need you to pull some moves. All right, buddy, you're in our pocket now. Because let's not kid each other. Let's not get too political, but we know how that gets done. But, so, it's just going to get interesting now that the season is fully over. Nine Braves applied for free agency. Some of them are, you know, like Dansby and Kinley and, and I can't ever pronounce his name right, but Adrian Zana. Adrianza. Adrian. He, You know, he filed. So, some bigger names, but also some just, you know, Travis Demerit, minor leaguers, this and that. So... It's things are really going to start to pick up ahead of steam now, though, because no more uh, no more World Series games to worry about. Everything's uh, closed down, and uh, Pujols is officially filed for retirement. His his paperwork went through, and Yadi Molina his paperwork went through. I don't know why I'd mentioned that. It just kind of popped in there because, because I saw it. But because yeah, I know
1: why you mentioned it, but well, because Pujols had a really cool season, so he's on the top of everybody's mind. But it's it's
0: getting to that point in our lives where. The dude's kids are coming up. Oh, don't even get me started, man. Like, Dante Bichette's kid is playing. Vlad Jr. Yeah. I mean, We've it, already seen Cecil Fielder's son play an entire career, get hurt, and retire. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, so it's weird. Uh, Chipper is Chipper is, uh, in his 50s. Like, that's crazy. I mean, I remember watching him, you know, blow his knee out running to fur. It's weird, man. It's just... It's, ve- it's
1: very weird, and uh, I mean, I said earlier i i took my 20 year old son to go see eight mile like it makes sense that these guys that we were watching they're older than us usually when we're watching them as kids and like man we have gone through cecil fielder's kids entire career yeah shit.
0: it's it's just weird like we were you know my buddy's thing he turned 40 and my girlfriend was like okay who's who's what here as far as age. And I was like, well, Reeves is the oldest. He'll be 46 soon. And I was like, what? And I was like, CJ. I said, I'm next, actually. Then CJ, then Carter. And and I was just like, "When? how did – when did we get here to where, like, you're 43 and and you're having your first child? Uh, this is my friend CJ and his wife Christine. I'm just like, "Where? what happened to our 30s? They were talking about a, another game that we went to all as a group, and they were like, oh, that was 2016. I was like, What? The Carolina game, the the Chick fil A game in, in the Dome, Carolina uh, Georgia. That was twenty. I was like, what in the hell, man? It's really weird. I yeah. I I've stopped doing it, but I
1: used to apologize to my mom a lot because I'm like, man, I'm I'm forty two, and like I spend my day trying to figure out how I can make it to all these sporting events and do these things, and I just you know, as a kid, you don't you see your your parents as Something completely different—not human beings yeah, that right. that have lives and wants and needs and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, man, it's uh
0: the they seem to be flying by. No kidding. But uh, you know, speaking of flying by, what's flying by is this college football season. It seems like we build up. I know we've said it before, but we build up all year, and then we get here, and we turn around, and and we're looking around, and and Georgia's nine and zero now, after knocking off those. Flea-bitten, volunteers, and Georgia's defense said, no, Nolan, no problem. Meet Marvin Jones Jr. Exactly. The dogs get after Tennessee, and man, a lot of things that I talked about happened in this mm-hmm. game. The battle for third downs. Tennessee lost that miserably. Oof, it was beautiful. Georgia sacks Hooker six times, and that defense collectively had eight for the whole season ahead of that. The noise I know you and I talked about, you were like, I wonder how many Tennessee fans there was like a thumbnail size group of Tennessee fans in there. Everybody else you were saying, you know, do you think Georgia fans or some of them may sell their tickets? Some of them probably did, but my sister took a new job and her new boss had four, like a bunch of tickets and took them down there. I had some other friends and they said it was so loud, like unbelievably loud and, All you can say is Georgia stepped up in the moment. Like, I didn't think they weren't going to, but I told you before we went on air, when it was 21-3, to I called it. I said, we're going to win. I I was like Tom Hanks in uh, A League of Their Own. I was like, we're going to win? You know, and, and man, they just – and I said Georgia had to come out fast. They had to smack them in the mouth, and that's what they did. They intimidated the hell out of Tennessee. I've been reading, you know, Josh Heupel – uh, Hooker, all, all the players, they were just like, man, they were way more physical than Alabama. Jalen Hyatt specifically said that, and, I man, I was like, sweet. Yeah, I mean, Georgia just came out and, and showed you, hey, you, you want to be on top? This is what it's going to take. This is what it looks like. And, and they've buckled under the pressure. Seven false starts. You know, Hooker couldn't get into a rhythm. Like, he just was not – he said he was comfortable in the pocket. But, no, you weren't because if you were comfortable in the pocket, you wouldn't have been sacked six times and you wouldn't uh, have scored only 13 points when you're averaging over 49 a game. You threw for zero touchdowns. Yeah, they got after you all day long. Georgia never let up. And I just want to say I'm proud of the entire fan base for – not that they don't always – you know, Kirby says it every week. These fans are late. They travel well. But, man – to show up like that. Not that I doubted it. I was just, you know, you just kind of wonder sometimes because we still, everybody still has that tiny little PTSD, Georgia, you know, that scrap of, you know, the old teams. Because if Mark Rick coaches this team, Tennessee wins. I don't care what you say. And it's still hard to imagine that Georgia now are the kings of the SEC. They're the kings of the nation they're the team to beat. They manhandled Tennessee. They manhandled Oregon. They had some other close games, but everybody else has had them. But Georgia is now it. I don't care what anybody says. And we, we, and I said I was going to ask the question, does this mean that the uh, awful reign of terror that is Nick Saban in the Alabama-Clemson Tide, everybody talks about it, but is it finally closing? Is that window – and, and I'm, I'm going to agree with Paul Feinbaum and say yes, it is. Nick Saban has looked lost at times. Uh, he's looked miserable. He he has admitted he doesn't like the state of the college football game. He doesn't like NIL. He doesn't like that he doesn't have that kind of control over players that he used to, and they're pulling up to practices in Mercedes, and, like, it's getting wild. And I don't like some of it either. And I guess somehow, you know, Kirby's smart. Paul Feinbaum was like, if you want to see what Alabama looked like in their, like, just prime at the peak, he's like, go look in Athens now. Kirby Smart has said we had zero transfers come through the portal. He's like, but everybody here, I mean, they are—they couldn't be drinking the, the Georgia Kool-Aid any more than they are. I mean, they are just down in it every day. And I don't know what Kirby and his crew are doing differently, but it does seem to some degree that Nick Saban has lost control of that program a little bit. And, he, and he's not that the players don't fear him as much as they used to and, and we've been slowly talking about this the
1: whole time about how like even in the even in the off season like Nick's slipping like some of the comments that he's making and, and like the uncharacteristic things that he's doing where you you would never see this from him in the past. I don't know if the the, the lack of institutional control over the play I, I love that word um, over the players. Um, is causing maybe that's causing like severe frustration, and that's that's where it's it's coming out. He's got he's got to vent that frustration somewhere, and that's his press conferences are being affected. And you can certainly tell on the football field, and not just not just losing to LSU, but it's it like you you had to try to outlast you know Tennessee, who normally you have mind control over Tennessee. Your players, your players, told the media. That it was different. They were nervous. Your players told the media that you were nervous about Tennessee.
0: Now everybody knows. Well, he's getting outcoached. Brian Kelly outcoached him. Jimbo Fisher outcoached him. Kirby Smart outcoached him. You know what I mean? Like, used to be. And he had miscues, but he mismanaged the clock like crazy in that Tennessee game. But he used to have that complete, like you're talking about, just Yoda like dominance, that Darth Vader, just like, I'm Nick Saban and you can't beat me. But when you talk about that that uh, the switch, the transfer of power
1: over to Georgia, it, it used to be you, you'd play good against Alabama for the first half and be like, shit, what's Saban going to do in at halftime? Now I watch a Georgia game, and man, it, I just think about last year, and I think about no matter what, I think about the Tennessee game last year. Tennessee came out gunning in the first half, and we hadn't seen anything like that yet that year. We hadn't seen anything like Tennessee's passing attack. So they came out and they scored early on us. And we shut that shit down at halftime. Mm -hmm. And I just remember thinking, I don't even care about the points you put on the board. That adjustment at halftime and where we moved on from that. But man, beating the shit out of Tennessee was just glorious. And I've got some very close friends who are Tennessee fans. And it always, it makes me feel a little bad. But I watched a lot of Tennessee fans show me their whole entire ass Mm -hmm. coming into this game. And that's fine. I know it's been a minute, and I'm probably only talking like this because I won a national championship last year. My team, not me personally. Um, I did win a bet against our friend Rain. Yeah. She owes me a um, Lorenzo Carter Falcons jersey now. I was going to have to pay her in a Cordero Patterson Falcons jersey, but
0: alas, not. Yeah, that didn't happen. And and I'm telling you, it's like I said – you know, the third downs they lost out on and the pressure. Tennessee, and, and but, but look, I'm not saying that as a bad thing. I'm just saying, like, I didn't hear a lot of, and I'm giving myself a little, uh, you know, pat on the back. The, uh, hey, good job, you called it. Because I didn't hear Paul Feinbaum and a lot of these other big-time pundits even talking about the pressure factor. Even talking about that big game you know, what it takes in those big games and how no one, I don't care how good Hendon Hooker is. If you've never been there, you don't know what it's like. And none of them, save Josh Heupel, because he was a big-time you know, Oklahoma quarterback. But it's different when you're a coach. So none of them had ever been in a game such as this. And thinking that it's loud in Newland and that's your
1: home stadium and that's where you beat Alabama, thinking that is the same as coming into Athens, Mm-hmm. Where that's going to be the case in playing against Georgia, man, I, the pressure was insane. Our our good buddy Malcolm called it; he was very adamant Georgia was going to win by three scores, very very adamant going into it, um, which he he nailed directly on the head. Um, but yeah, man, I we beat them in every facet of football. We 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 showed them what was up in the first half, and that was it. And then the second half was kind of boring if you're a georgia fan but the, yeah. the the end results were fine and it's crazy to think that like you watch all these games and you get that the worry factor we always talk about that little thing in the back of our mind always always making us worry about something now now we have i have that other thing where even watching the piss poor games against missouri and the piss poor game against kent state and and that that type of stuff like it's annoying it's frustrating. I'm not worried. Like then you see this, Eight you said eight sacks coming into the game, six in the game. Mm-hmm. Like we, I we've been talking about it all year, and like about how like you know it, the sack itself isn't necessarily um, necessary for the defense or for our defense to to wreak havoc. You don't have to actually sack the quarterback for them to be doing their jobs. And our secondary is really good. But the fact that we know now, we, we've we just, on a, the biggest stage we've been on all year, we just showed everybody that we can also get to the quarterback. So, uh, man, it's funny. It's funny listening to the, the Michigans and the Ohio States and everybody talking about how all of a sudden now Tennessee is overrated again.
0: Well, they're not overrated. they're very good. They just came across a, a better, more well-seasoned, experienced. Tennessee. Georgia, Georgia was playing free and easy. Why? Because they've been there. They lost a national title to Alabama. They've lost to Alabama in the SEC title game. They beat Alabama for a national championship. Like all those hardships and tough losses and, and you know life lessons you go through, building up the, the program to be where it is. Tennessee hasn't done any of that. And that's that's what I kept saying the whole time is they haven't they don't haven't been through that. They're going to learn from this game. Oh yeah. But right now they're all going yeah, they kicked our ass. And some Tennessee fans are on Twitter like, well, I mean y'all didn't beat us that bad. I, no. Again, Georgia wins by two touchdowns, but it, it was more about the it was way more than just the score. I watched it. I sat there for the entire time in a chair glued to my buddy's TV. Georgia whipped Tennessee's ass. Beat them up. Physically, just dominated them on both sides of the ball, and it was nothing doing. Did you hear about them leaking Stetson Bennett's phone number? Oh yeah, and before? he said he had like five between five and seven hundred calls. I'd have just turned it off, but I guess maybe but he had this alarm. Instead, but. I love the dude, and he hits
1: him with the yeah hits him with the call me celebration in the end
0: zone. Like, oh, and, and you know, Killy Ringo uh, running that route like you were talking about—that was a thing, man. And when he made that pick too, that just—I just, I just my, my buddies were getting like knock on wood, but I was like, it's done, man. I was like Tennessee. We, I mean, we took the life out of them almost immediately. They were never, ever, not once ever, was I was I worried. And I'm usually the one that is worried. And my other buddies are like, Rob's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. But no, Saturday I was like, no, george has got it. Now, what I am worried about is them keeping a level head and them still playing, not playing down to Mississippi State, not playing down to Kentucky, like not getting in the rat poison. Like, yes, you just beat – one of not not one of the most prolific offense in the nation you shut it down I mean you just said not today Satan not in our house whatever you want to call it but shut them down just don't just remember there's still work to be done and Mississippi State is just as important as Tennessee Kentucky is just as important as Tennessee now we're going to mop the floor with Georgia Tech it's going to be a bloodbath we're going to destroy them but those other two, and again, it just because we've seen it, we saw it in Kent State, and we're like, "What are the god? They look flat. They're just coming out slow. They, de- you know, I just want to see them. Hey, from now on, guys, pedal to the metal, all the way to the finish line. Well, and you get us there. You say that too. Like that, the second half there. Were, there are were a couple of misses,
1: but that again, it, and we'll get to this when we talk about the Falcons too. It, when it comes to misses, like I watch these games and I see. I also see what could have been. So I don't I don't like get upset. I don't get upset by us not scoring a lot in the second half. I don't I don't get upset by that because ultimately we won the game and I watched the game so I know what could have been if everything goes correctly. That that's a it's a weird game for Tennessee
0: it's just one of those games to where and you don't see them very I mean well you know it happens all over college football but like in big games like this just to watch the other team just impose their will so freely I mean Georgia just Georgia had control of that game the I mean from the kickoff to the final seconds Tennessee not once not ever were they in that game Georgia just said oh we got to come out and, and toss you around again okay we'll do it We're going to do what Georgia basically said, Tennessee, we're going to do whatever we want today. And they did it. So, and again, Alabama is what? Number 10 was the last time Alabama was ranked number 10 in the nation. Man, It's been a long time, a very long time. And again, they probably won't, but there still is a way that Alabama could find themselves playing Georgia in Atlanta. There's a way statistically speaking, probably won't happen, but I'll tell you this. Not I'm no longer worried about Alabama football nope. and, and the intimidation factor of Alabama football and Nick Saban and because this year if Georgia were to square off in the dome with him it's it's gonna get ugly Georgia's gonna whip the piss out of them. Fear is no longer a factor, Joe Rogan. Yeah, it's not. I mean, uh, and and again, that's we just talked about it. I think, I think what we're because that was a huge day for recruiting <laughs> to have LSU beat Alabama like that to have Georgia beat Tennessee like that. A lot of kids made their mind up, and, and the writing is – I think the writing is on the wall now. Now, you know me. I don't give a damn about recruiting because it doesn't matter till you get here and you actually prove the results. But it would, wouldn't would shock me to see Georgia have a late surge now. Even transport – God, what the transfer portal going to look like for Georgia this year? Are you kidding me? I mean, uh, last year we lost, what, 13? 15.
1: 13, 15 people we lost in to the transfer portal. That's or or the draft. That, well, okay, um, but I think I think transfer we lost somewhere between seven and no, we lost like thirteen people. That opted? it was
0: quite a few, but the point being is that that nobody nobody came in zero. Georgia had zero people come in through the transfer portal, and it just goes to show you what a what a you know just elite premier program George is running over there and everybody is kind of taking up where Jordan Davis and those guys left off and kind of explaining Kirby said it himself complimentary football everybody played for the other guy there's no superstars I mean there's superstars on that team but there's nobody with that superstar mentality you know they all want the ball but they're also willing to throw a block and get it to somebody else because they understand what's at stake here they understand what's going on Kirby Smart has done a very good job of keeping everybody's ego in check and spreading the ball around and saying, hey, do you want to be a champion or do you want to be a hero? Both, please. You can be both, but it's like, hey, if you want to be a hero, then go out there and just do for yourself. If you want to be a champion, play for the guy next to you. Play, play complimentary, selfless football. And if you do that and you believe me, we'll go get another one. We'll go get several. Is but you gotta keep the you know the process going. Those outgoing seniors and upperclassmen have to keep You know, it's just kind of like a family. You pass it down through generations. You pass it down, tradition and everything, through the classes and say this is now what it means. Forget about everything else. But right here now today, in this era of Georgia football, this is how we do it here. And if you buy into it, you'll be successful. You'll go to the – we're an NFL, you know, factory. Cranking them out. Fifteen players just went into the draft. A lot of them in the first round. You know, hey, we we've got the goods here. We've got the facilities, and kids see this. Kids see the the those games. You know, and I it wouldn't. And again, I was this. This is what I was getting to. It wouldn't surprise me to see Georgia shoot up all the way and have a number one recruiting class. I, no, it won't. That wouldn't shock me at all. And I know you and. I just want to
1: correct it for everybody. It's not that you don't care about recruiting; is you don't invest yourself
0: into recruits until they get to school and start playing football. Yeah, so we start seeing dividends. Like I don't watch it. I don't. I mean, I'll go if they say you know Georgia signs number one ranked running back nationally. I'll go. Oh, uh, Fred Tate. Okay, he's from Rockville, Maryland. Oh, dad had a cup of coffee in the NFL. Okay, cool. I don't care about his stars. I don't care about what he did in high school. I don't care. We get we'll, here and get we'll here see. and, you know. Look, because look at all the stuff that's going on, especially at Georgia. Anybody remember? And I say this is my go-to constantly because he was probably the biggest disappointment in recent memory for me, Jasper Sanks. Ugh, he was going to be this juggernaut of a running back. Wah, wah. We got him instead of Jamal Lewis. Isaiah Crowell was going to be this monster. I mean, Georgia stole him from Alabama. Then he has trouble here. Uh, I can't remember what exactly went Unregistered down. Unregistered pistol under his seat. Yeah, so he had some trouble. Then he leaves. Now he did okay with the Browns. He, you know, he's. I think he. He's a really good running back. It just. Yeah, but never, never came to fruition. All these, so all these, and and you look at a Jordan Davis, who was a three star, and he becomes this. Who he is with the Eagles now, like he's he's probably might win Rookie of the Year. He's dominating. He's a, he's just you know? an awesome human being. And so that's why I just don't care anymore because you can no, have it's all fair. the stars in the world, and but
1: I that's you know. that stuff intrigues me. I I enjoy the recruiting battle. I enjoy seeing like I enjoy placing. I'm a puzzle guy. Yes, I enjoy putting the pieces together and seeing where these these classes end up lining up together down the road. What I do think, though, I think a very telling—the Mississippi State game is going to be very telling for Georgia. Uh, I think Will Rogers leads the SEC in passing, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, the Mississippi State quarterback. Um, so it, it, the Tennessee game for me kind of seemed like Georgia came together as one in that game, mm-hmm. and they came out for one singular purpose. They achieved that goal. Now if we come out and play against Mississippi state, like we've played against other teams where we come out and we look really good. And then we kind of Peter off. Uh, I'm not going to be worried yet again, but it it would be disappointing. I'd like to see us decimate the rest of the season to be comfortable going in, uh, to the sec championship and, and hopefully the playoff. But what I, re- what I really love it, like all these scenarios now that they're just scenario after scenario, after scenario out there. Um, Tennessee wins out, do they sneak back in? Do they sneak into the playoff? Or um, if Ohio State and Michigan are undefeated when they play one another, which it looks like they will be, um, do one of those teams get knocked out of the playoff for like a TCU if they stay undefeated? Like all these all these things. What I really, really want, if possible, if if they both don't make it into the playoff because that would be cool too, I'd like to see Tennessee play whoever the loser of the Ohio State-Michigan game is because there's way too much talk going on right now. That's just another football game I'd like to see.
0: Man, if I had my pick of a dream game, I'd love to see Georgia square off against Ohio State for the national championship just, of college football and just... Do you want it for the national championship? Because I don't even no, I want to wait. the just
1: to wreck them. Just put it in the playoff.
0: But d- no, the reason why I want it to be the national championships is because th- there's no bigger game. That sure. is the game. And so I just want to look at them and go, I tried to tell you. I've been trying to tell you for many years now, but you still won't listen that Ohio State... Yes, has put some lickings on the SEC, but overall, the SEC has dominated you and dominated Big Ten football. Like, in, in, in the Big Ten, people go, oh, we've got more national championships. Yeah, in the 20s, 30s, and 40s, not in the modern era of football, Everybody, you know, everybody's going crazy about Bo Nix. And it's like, well, he's playing Pac-12 defenses. He's not playing SEC defenses anymore. He doesn't go against the likes of Will Muschamp and, and Nick Saban and all these defensive gurus. They keep talking in, about out. those guys squeaking back in. Bring it! I, I no really, please let's let's see. It's hard to beat a team. I will say this: they they it, clearly they have gotten better, but they're also playing inferior competition, and it's hard to beat a team twice. But I bet Georgia would do it again. But we're talking about. I mean, hard to beat a team twice,
1: sure. We're talking about week one and playoff though. Like yeah. if there if there was ever a a scenario where that.
0: I think work. It would, yeah, I think it would be another pressure thing, though, simply because Dan Lanning has been there as a assistant coach for Georgia, obviously, never as a head coach. Bo Nix hadn't done shit. <laughs> he hadn't played in any big time games. You know, he's he's been awful. He was awful at Auburn. Terrible. Now. Some moron in the NFL is probably going to give him a boatload of cash because he's having this one – we talked about it with uh, – no, it wasn't – who was I – I think I was talking with my buddy Chris. RG3, he had that 1-1 one, one really superstar crazy season at Baylor, and they backed up a Brinks truck. Let's be fair. RG3 was an animal when he got to the
1: NFL, and if it wasn't for whatever the Redskin commander football team – Dan Snyder, whoever whoever made the decision to handle his injury, uh, ruined his entire career. Like that that dude was him, for lack of a better word, um, for a minute he was he was everything you could have ever possibly wanted to be him to be. He was as advertised, and that injury just a- ended all of it. But yeah, I I don't I wouldn't even put Bo Nix and RG three anywhere close to the same conversation. And I don't I don't even hate Bo Nix, but I I'm friends with hell I it's just one Auburn fan that I could I, I actually hate him for. Um but it's just he's he
0: is good in the
1: right situation.
0: He's having I the guess. Heisman trophy winning season.
1: Yeah, but he's not going to win the Heisman. He's not. There's no way Bo Nix even if they lose a game, there's no way he beats out CJ Stroud. Just cuz no yeah. way. If Bo Nix gets the Heisman, that trophy means nothing moving forward. What about Brock Bowers, man? They're not going to give it to him. We don't We don't throw the – he'd have to – that dude have to be topping 100 yards and have a touchdown at least every single game for him to be even in the consideration. Is he going to be in absolute terror in the NFL? Yes. Is he going to be – is he phenomenal? Absolutely. But we like you said earlier, we we don't we don't turn it to hero ball where it's not one guy taking over the game. It's about team ball at Georgia. So one person's not gonna get all the stats. But if we want to talk about Heisman, let's look at Hendon Hooker's stats versus Georgia and Stetson Bennett's stats. Stet went for what twenty two yeah, better. Yeah, twenty two of twenty seven or something, two touchdowns in the air,
0: one on the ground mm-hmm.
1: after being called seven hundred times the night before.
0: Uh, what did our, what did our, uh, what did our, uh, friend at, uh, the golf tournament say, he's said that he was going to run for a hooker was going to run for three touchdowns on us. Yeah. yeah already, I missed that guy already. I already sent my, uh, derogatory text out about that gentleman. I was not kind. Um, I know it's fine. Uh, so D- don't roll up to a podcast without yeah, the dentures. Yeah. So, you know, Hey, Georgia is in the driver's seat. They control their own fate. Again, we're, we we feel pretty good, but there's also that just that little thing that you know. Hey, you gotta gotta stay on top of things. Like, don't let this game get in your head. You gotta you gotta stay strong. And, and Kirby's telling the same thing because again, they're all very talented athletes, but at the end of the day, some of them are children still, and some of them are young men who young men. We all we've all been there. We can get kind of full of ourselves, you know. So I just want Georgia to realize that yes. You are the greatest team in the land right now. Unquestionable. There's not even good. i tell you what. I could see college football pulling some sort of move, but if I don't see the number one by George's name tomorrow, when they have the the next show, there's no way they're not. They're, yeah, they're don't, going Don't to... you dare
1: worry about that.
0: But I'm just saying college football does some weird stuff because, uh, you know, it's college football and it's a business. It's a money machine. So they got to do what they got to do. But. I just want them to stay level headed, stay focused, stay, you know keep that uh, drive, that ambition, that, that that fire. I mean, it's just funny because this team is different than last year's team, but we've also seen this team this year have a couple of different personalities. Like that team that played Tennessee Saturday night was not the team that showed up at Kent State. It was not the team that showed up in Missouri. So that other team is still that the team that showed up in the third quarter in Florida. Yeah, we just got to keep that team at bay because they're there. I don't know how you do it. But I'm just, I'm just saying. Let's, you know, I I kept my mouth shut versus Tennessee because I was a little, I was like, woof, man, it's the toughest game of all year, and and uh, again, dominant program, best in the nation. It feels good to to say that the University of Georgia and no one can argue with us anymore. There that now before on some of the Mart Rick teams and the early Kirby Smart teams, maybe there was a little bit of, well. No, it is clear cut. Georgia is the best college football program in the nation right now. Period. Can't argue with it. You got nothing. Nobody can put anything in front of me to all go. Mm, okay. I would. I can't wait till we can take phone calls, and I can't yeah. argue
1: about it because that's
0: gonna. So be nobody, fun. nobody. I guess what I'm saying now is nobody can beat Georgia but Georgia. They just have to, you know, stay level headed and 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 keep their eye on the prize. That's all. That's all I got to say about that. Keep your eye on the prize, Georgia, and we're going to be just fine. We can take on anybody. Thanks, Kirby. So, and it does feel good. and I would love to see back to back, but it's it's not going to get any easier. No, it's you know, it's, and you got to get through the playoffs, and you got to you know, you've got to keep everybody healthy. And it's it's a, it's a, no pun intended, but it's a literal dogfight. So, uh, moving on though, moving on, another. More football action, but this time from the NFL with the Atlanta Falcons, and uh, this is a game that I said could go either way, and it went the Chargers' way. But another another wild one down in the bins, and they they fall to twenty to seventeen. But like we've been saying all year, yes, they've played above uh, their expectation. They've played above their talent at times. They are, even with this loss, I think they're still in first place in the NFC South, or if not tied. In the game, just couldn't quite make it happen. So, you know, uh, still, I, I had, I didn't see any fire Arthur Smith talk, but it's, I did see some not, of those. It's not fire Arthur Smith. I did see some of those goombas being negative. But, again, it's, hard-fought game, just fell short. I'm fine. You're going to get a lot of the uh,
1: where's Desmond Ritter talk throughout the week because – Man Kyle Pitts was running around wide open and I I mean people have made a a knock on him for dropping footballs this year and I've seen him drop a couple of passes that I really wish he could have reeled in but there was man at least at least 3 times in this game where he was just wide stinking open and we could we Mariotto just could not deliver the football to him um the, the game itself though was just I don't know. It it was tough it was tough to watch from a fan perspective just because it oh man it just it, there were so many misses. We could see you could see the potential of a, like the the long passes that Kyle Pist, Pitts missed were like unquestionable touchdowns. He had such space nobody was going to catch him and you have to just go back. I mean honestly, I watching Khalil Mack Ripped the ball out of Drake London's hands inside the ten yard line and running it back. Now we did, didn't score any points off of that turnover, but like man, we were right there on the goal line. Koo misses a field goal. Like so many crazy things happened coming off the Panthers game. I like I, I just wasn't ready for it. I brought I brought fan of the show uh, Walt Baby Love to the game. He's a huge Chargers fan. It's his late birthday present so we were in the building so i mean half the game we what we don't do great it right now is defend the pass and we were actually holding our own in that respect we were running the ball at will um it looked like we had the game in control early and then i don't i don't know man it makes me want to go study more about football and learn more about coverages and more about the Xs and Os because it just seems like we Hit some sort of soft zone every time. It's a passing down, and they they eat us up. It's death by a thousand cuts. The underneath routes, and I feel like this has been happening forever. Um, and it, Justin Herbert is a phenomenal quarterback. So if there's a guy you don't want to let you know get loose like that, Austin Eckler is the team's leading receiver out of the backfield. And I we watched. Um, I mean, you know, I've had season tickets next to the same guy for. Uh, quite some time now so he and I I talk during every single game so at this point it's just like a a quick glance over at each other and a shake of the head like damn it not again they're out here running you know plays that we run in Madden to score on us because oh look look what's open I know exactly what play to run for this and and so but again we stayed in the game the whole time and bless his soul I hope he's not getting crushed for this but Taekwon Graham picking up that fumble at the end of the game, running it down the field and just losing the football, like poof, gone. David Copperfield was somewhere in the building, but losing that ball back to them. Uh man, I don't I don't know what that feeling's like. I don't know what that scooping that football and running with it would feel like to the big man, but damn it. You know, we had the the ball back in our hands. Could have run run it down the field, let Koo redeem himself. But anyways, here here we are. Another hard-fought game. Um, We ran the ball effectively. Cordero Patterson's first game back. Um, He goes for 44 on the ground and two scores, uh, including one where he just absolutely blew up, blew up a charger defender on the two-yard line and just kept it moving into the end zone. Um, You know, he it was good to see him back. They didn't overuse him uh in the game. I think he caught one ball and rushed the ball 13 times. So not not a hell of a workload. We got a, a short week. We're playing Carolina back on Thursday. Um but yeah, man, disappointing. I I don't want to pile on Mariota. I don't want to do what I feel inside, but it, it I I wish I wish the confidence was there in Ritter. I don't know what it is because I'm not privy to this information. But I see Malik Willis starting in Tennessee and I just want to see Ritter. I get it. mariota has been in these games. He's played NFL football. He's played professional football. He, There's no learning curve for him. He knows what's going on. So I appreciate that about him.
0: He is extending plays with his legs. He, I I mean. At the end of the day, this is what you have to say. And you'll hear it from every football coach around. Arthur Smith and his staff and and the organization feel like that Marcus Mariota every week gives them the best chance to win, and that's why he's starting. Sure, but. And to me, I'm just like, okay, if that's what it is, okay, fine. Well, so, so, you know, we'll see Ritter when we see Ritter. And again, people have argued like, hey, they know what they have in Ritter, but they don't want to put him out there in these situations. They don't want to, they want to bring him along slowly because he is that good. So either way, it's just like, all right. Yeah, it's beating you know, your head against the wall. But again, another
1: loss in a very winnable game. It's not like, I mean, aside from the Bengals, Falcons aren't out here getting
0: boat raced? No, but you know, I think another thing too that a lot of and maybe even you and other Falcons fans are, are a little frustrated because the carrot is being dangled of, hey, hey, we, we're kind of good. So we want you know, we want to be better, you know, or, or that's why everybody's, hey, it's Ritter time, it's Ritter time, you know, if the Falcons you know, had had lost 20 to nothing yesterday or you know, they'd, they'd gotten beaten by the Panthers or, or whatever. It's hard when you know you're in games and you feel like maybe the reason why you're not getting over the top is quarterback play. So, I mean, well, if, I don't know if, if we're in,
1: here's, here's my thing. We are, we imposed our will granted the chargers have one of the worst, if not the worst run defenses in the NFL right now. It's bad. We are five, four or five in the league. In rushing offense, this plays to us very well. So we run the ball at will. We killed almost the entire first quarter. We just kept the ball and kept running the ball and and just ran clock. But we also scored. So when it comes to a point to where we're using that to throw the ball, which is great because our running game should open up the play action. It should open up the passing game for us. When we can't execute at all in the passing game, it's so frustrating. Because I, in in I think Mariota got sacked twice in this game. The offensive line is still playing excellent. Mm-hmm. What way better than anybody ever imagined? It's the frustration is like if is he giving us enough on the ground or just from veteran leadership that we like we don't want to have the conversation about bringing in the young guy to see if he can connect on these throws because I I I don't know how much of the highlights or the game or what you got to see but I'm talking about wide open Kyle Pitts Wide open, at least three times, and balls. And some people were saying that Pitts might not have been running to the same place Mariota thought he would be running to. Damn it, I don't give a shit. You're watching him run clear across the field. Throw it where he's going. He's wide open. Look, throw. I mean, those are those are deep routes. You're not closing your eyes and throwing the football. You're looking around. You see where he is.
0: You're throwing the ball behind his ear. We, you know, I'm i will I'm gonna be the guy that defends Marcus a little bit, That's just fine. just because you know uh, why not play devil's advocate. It's it's easy to see the the field watching, but to uh, you know, kind of like the guy that had the the Michael Vick roller coaster ride. You know, they strap him in and the lights come up and he's going down through. I mean, when you're there in the moment, like it's so fast, like we can't. You and I or anybody can't even imagine how quickly an NFL play unfolds and has to be executed. So maybe he really isn't seeing them, or maybe his downfield vision—you know—he's just not. But you're saying those things right now. Maybe they're not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but it, I'm just—which is
1: fine. And I'm not taking. It's fine. I don't dislike Marcus as a player, but I—if in the situation that we're in right now,
0: I need that. Yeah, we of need that. I mean, but look at it, though. We're not the only team going through this. The Buccaneers are awful, but they keep trotting Tom out every week because they feel Tom gives them the best chance to win. The Packers are terrible. Now, again, somebody will go, Rodgers doesn't have anybody to pass to. Well, you know, you you work with what you got. I don't know what you need to do to get get in the film room with your receivers. Do the extra work. Do whatever. Because they're still still NFL athletes. But Jordan Love, I'm sure people are in Green Bay going, where's Jordan Love? Where's he? Can we get him out here? This this guy's terrible. He's too worried about going to ayahuasca retreats and uh, getting his chi right or what? You know, who knows? But so, again, for whatever, and and that's, you know me, I'm always going to be that guy that's going to come on here and say, hey, guys, as much as you may want Desmond Ritter, we have to sit here and, and watch it because they are professional NFL coaches. And we... Work at Publix, <laughs> but I'm not saying we don't. I mean, because you and I, God, we talked about things uh, that would happen in the uh, Tennessee game, and we were right. We talk about things that happen in baseball, and we're right. The you know, so we're not. We know more than the average bear, but I'm still that guy that's just like, hey, it, it's going to be Ritter time when it's going to be Ritter time. So and I defer, I defer to
1: coaches all the time. I yeah. know they know more than I do. I just, man, you you watch it and you watch it and you watch it and you watch it and you it's the it's the curse of watching the same thing and expecting a different result. Then you start feeling like the crazy person, but it seems to happen all the time. And I I don't, I don't know what it is. Like I said, I want to learn more about the defense that we're playing because I don't understand it. Our guys out of position because you know, you're down Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. So we're down AJ Terrell and Casey Hayward. Okay. Let's call that a wash. You know your two best wide receivers, our two best corners. We got Jalen Hawkins back for the game. What what makes us play back? So we I just don't understand how many situations we were in yesterday where it was like second and twenty, and then we gave up seven or eight yards and made it third and in, in long but manageable and then boom they got one more yard than they needed every single time every time i'm literally i just need to know the third down efficiency i mean 50%
0: i mean it's it's so
1: but sixteen third 16 third downs they got 8 of them we, 16 third downs
0: yeah you know it's it's watching film is weird man and, and trying to predict – because a lot some of it is prediction. As a, a defensive coordinator, you're trying to kind of predict what the offense might do and, you know, do I need an extra safety in there? Do I need to, you know, uh, fill the box up? You know, here's the looks they're giving me. Here's how I'm going to try to defend it. And then they do something, you know, so it's – Well, I guess I haven't kicked this dead horse either. We got <laughs> zero pressure.
1: Yeah. Zero. So I mean, I, that, that you know. in itself is a problem. You have a really good quarterback and we – But again, like, I want to know more. Like, are we not, are we not, do we not know this? Do we not know that we are weakened in the secondary? So we have to get some pressure. We have to throw Herbert off his game. Like, again, Dean Pease, legendary. I, I get it. I'm just watching the same shit every week. So I, I, I want to know more. I want more information. I don't want to call this guy
0: out or, or seem like I'm being a dick. But. I think it's just talent, man. The Falcons just—I mean, you know, AJ Terrell is what they call a shutdown player, but he's hurt, you know. And we don't—we don't, we don't have—we uh, don't have Jordan Davis on our front D line. I yeah, mean, but we, we got Grady Jarrett. Clearly, he ain't that good. He's
1: not saying the, he's not good, but he's double know, teamed he's, every play. So take it for what it is. You gotta got, get more talent. Yeah. Oh, and I know that, but I'm just saying zero, zero pressure on the quarterback. Yeah, they're just, they're not executing. No, I know. But that's, know what, so. that's what I'm saying. That that's the tough part. I can't I can't pick on the secondary all day long, even though it seems. I, I guess it probably skews the perspective that he has all day to throw. It, it's got to be the most miserable thing in the world to try to follow around a speedy wide receiver. While his quarterback's just standing there watching,
0: waiting for him to get away from you. For me, an NFL defense need, needs these things: shut down corner, which in AJ Terrell, the Falcons looks like they have. Then you got to have, and, and maybe uh, Troy Anderson is this guy, maybe, but you got to have that crazy, crazed linebacker, that guy. And then you got to have a, a, a marquee guy on one end and somebody to compliment him on the other end. So you, he doesn't have to be as good, just you have to respect him so you can't double-team the other guy. Four players on a defense in the NFL, E4, I think. I could be wrong. I watch a lot of NFL football. It's just stuff I think about. Those, If you have those four pieces, you got a great defense. And Atlanta doesn't have that right now. I'm with you,
1: and I would even go, rather than book in edge rushers. Just, even, even a strong interior just, guy. I was going to say, know? just two on the defensive line. You need you need two
0: guys so the double team you can yeah. you can hurt people for double team in one of them. Yeah, if you double team Jarrett, this guy's going to get you. If you double team this guy, Grady's going to get you. Yeah, but also that other line. Hey, is that crazy Brian Ernlocker type going to r- bull rush in and take you out? Like you just you need a very strong presence and even another linebacker that can come off and uh, set the edge, you know, and and, and wreak havoc. So. Four, those four guys, and Atlanta doesn't have them. Just, just you know, just period. A simple rub of the earlobe
1: and a woo saw. I know we're still rebuilding, so yeah. yeah. I just, <laughs> but you know, you start talking on a weekly basis about winning the NFC South, so you get pissed off about when uh, games like this, and also the the crazy way. I mean, the whole you know, Eckler gets the touchdown call pass uh, called back because his elbow hits the ground. I was infuriated for about five minutes, and then we realized it was actually coming back. And then you get the fumble, and then we fumble back, and and that's how the game ends. I was like, man, I was just here a week ago, and some weird shit happened like this at the end of the game. That's like the game, my, you know. But I'm not used to this. I'm used to either getting beat or, or winning. You know what I mean? Like it's it's been intense all season. I love it as a fan. It's amazing, but
0: damn it. So many opportunities, and you look at it and now I have to look back like that was such a. Wonderful See, game. but the, so the Falcons have gotten you off your game because at the beginning of the season you said, "Hey, as long as we're staying in games and and just losing them, I'm fine because we'll get the great draft picks." But now the Falcons have said, "Mark, hey buddy, we we might be pretty good. Well, we might be pretty good," and they've got you all jacked up. So here, <laughs> here, my whole yeah, my whole thing, I I I was.
1: 100% good with that because I wanted to see progression in this team. Now I'm seeing something completely different. I'm seeing them buying into the coach and each other. Mm-hmm. I want that more yeah. than I
0: want a top five draft pick. Still missing some key pieces, basically. 100%. Like guys are buying in, but we need those offense and defense. Those a couple. Of, the Falcons aren't far away. I mean, obviously the quarterback position.
1: But, like, the, the, whole, the whole coaching aspect of it and the, the building the team and the culture that represents you in this new regime, like, that's, that's happening so fast, mm-hmm. which is amazing. So, at this point, I don't care. I'd much rather see a, a team that was projected to win between two and four games this year go to the playoffs and have a home playoff game with Arthur Smith. And I want people to see that rather than I want to see progression on the team and us get a better draft pick. That's, I, I have changed my mind entirely.
0: Well, we're going to see how it goes because football, as everyone knows, is the, one of the wildest sports. The momentum swings, the, just everything is probably, I would say, football is the most unpredictable sport, uh, you know, from week in, week out, and, and, and just watching what your team does because the Falcons could play the Chargers again next Sunday and beat them 42 to nothing, you know, or, or it's just crazy. I think not golf, not, not basketball, not baseball. I mean, there's some wild rides in baseball, but as far as like, when you get done, you're just like, damn, it's, 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 it's college, high school, NFL, any, I mean, it's just crazy how things can change in the course of a game and how big momentum swings are and fan involvement and, we scored two touchdowns again, by the way. Yeah. So, you know, the Falcons got that going for them. I think they're the only team to score two TDs in every game this year. Um, now, obviously, win the, lose the home winning streak, but that's all right. So, we still still got time. I mean, I think we're going to beat the Commanders. I think we beat – and you're going to see the Panthers game on Thursday, aren't you? I will be in Charlotte. Yeah, I think we win that game. I, I think we beat the Bears. So, there's three games right there, and that puts us at, what, seven and five? I can't. I can't um, wait to see Baker Mayfield. So th- so far, things are kind of playing out the way that I said. I said, "Hey, the, the Bengals, that's a loss. Almost didn't beat the Panthers, but I said we'll beat the Panthers." Then I said, "Chargers, that's a coin toss. It go either way. It went the Chargers' way, and now I'm saying these next three games, if Atlanta plays the way that they are capable of, they'll win, and they'll th- be sitting. At seven I think
1: that I think the short week we still look good against the. The Panthers, I do. Um, they do know that they can throw the ball on us. They they learned that a week
0: ago. Well, you know, George, uh, Georgia, uh, Atlanta's got a few days to prepare and kind of watch that film and then clean some things up and go out and give it their best. Uh, I and- think if they win this game and then they have that couple extra
1: days to rest in between them and the next game, I think, uh, I think that bodes well for us. But we definitely need, we, we really, for the sake of the South, need to...
0: Take that game in Charlotte, and you know what? We're going to find out Thursday night on the worst home for college football or uh, professional football ever. <laughs> Amazon, it is not going well with these Prime games this year. No, nobody is enjoying anything at all. Uh, I think uh, I think old Jeff is in talks or is is sniffing around about buying the the Redskins with Jay Z. I think uh, was his partner. One of those, I think think they are looking, uh, him and Jay-Z are looking into buying the Washington. I I read that somewhere. There's some other club maybe. No, it's the Commanders. Anyway, that would be interesting.
1: That would be interesting. uh, Maybe Jay-Z would have an interest in the Nets and the Commanders.
0: Speaking of birds, uh, we got to talk a little Hawks before we get out of here, and it's almost time for us to get out of here because, believe it or not, uh, we've done it again. We always say we'll never fill up that much time, then we look over and go, we went way over. But you know what? We're having fun. It's too easy. And the Hawks took down the Pelicans in a wild overtime game. It was, yes. uh, it was,
1: it was cool. I, um, I had to watch that one on replay. Obviously, I was, uh, I was in the movies with the young man, but I did catch the end of the game. Quite a wild ride. Another Dejounte Murray. Masterpiece, triple doubles, twenty two points, ten rebounds, eleven assists, three steals. Um, that guy is better than advertised. I've seen a lot of uh um Trey Young has finally found his Robin post, except for the below it says it's Trey. He's Robin. Um, I, I feel like they're gonna try to divide the two of them all season long. But either way, um Murray goes off. Imposes uh, imposes his will. We get the game into overtime and finish it off. Trey, 34 points, 10 assists. Um, another game where Trey is in double-digit free throws, shot 15 free throws, hit 14 of them. That is always a wonderful telltale sign for us because we have not been shooting the three ball well uh, at all this year. Um, the big story for me, Clint Capella, 21 points, 19 rebounds. I need that big guy all the time. That is, um, uh, it, that changes the entire dynamic of the team. If we have, and I honestly don't need the 21 points. I don't. We can, we can pay closer attention to getting the ball to John Collins, who's watched his points per game drop off over these past five games. Um, but again, these guys are playing as a team. However, um, when John Collins is open and when John Collins is in the right position, I'd love for us to be, be getting him the ball. And I'm, I'm still, still chalking it up to growing pains with the team. Uh, glad we glad we got the W. Um, but as far as keeping everybody fed and making this, I I don't want this to be a situation where now we have two guys that can, that need to play hero ball. And when one's not getting it done, the other one's going to have to get it done. I want the whole team to be a part of it, but Growing pains. You hear it in both of them. They're, they both talk about, and I mean, Trey Young and Dejounte Murray both talk about how it's coming along faster than they expected. But damn it, it's it still takes time to yeah. to get Nine used games, to one of Yeah, no, no, it's 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 a good place to be. Uh, tonight, tonight we got Milwaukee. I'm going to try to sneak my way down to State Farm Arena, eight fifteen tip. The Bucks are in the building. Hawks have an opportunity to be the first team to hand them a loss. Um, they uh, they spanked us the other night, so I'd love a little get back this evening. Uh, tough tough team, man. But I I will tell you this: if Clint Capella plays the nineteen rebound man in the middle role, it makes our life a whole lot easier. That means he'll be banging down there with Giannis, and hopefully, you know, tiring the big man out because that guy is just an absolute problem Every day
0: of every week, yeah, and you know, the Hawks I think are just going to be one of those teams that a different guy can step up every night. Like, not you know, Trey Young doesn't have to be on every night. Dejounte Murray doesn't have to be on every night. But when the, if those guys are on, maybe Collins scores less. But I mean, they took care of the Bucks in the preseason, and a lot of the same talent was on the floor because the NBA is a little different than you know, the NFL or whatnot. So I'm confident the Hawks can can take the bucks out. I wish I did I have to go learn how to host trivia tonight. Cause I'll be doing that for some uh cash money. Or I'd go with you. But again, six and three, they're in first place in the Southeast. They're averaging about 116 points a game. But just remember what Coach Nate told us in our in that first press conference. If if guys are creating offense off of defense, which is that now he's like, this is the plan for this team starting out. You know, the game plan can always change. You know, things happen in the season, but he said, going to the line. We want to go to the line 25 times or more a night. So we want to be physical in that aspect. We want to create offense off of, you know, so hey, 19 rebounds. There you go. That's 19 scoring opportunities from one player. Yep. So creating offense off of defense. You know, DeJounte Murray, he could sneak up and steal it. He's a steals guy. <laughs> so between rebounding and Boy, stealing, getting to the line. And then kind of John Collins being that double-double guy if he needs to be. I, I guess you know. what, uh,
1: mostly what I'm thinking here is I I'm I look at the, you know, I watch the game, so I, I know that we're not shooting a really high percentage from three. And I know it's not always going to be that way because we have some real shooters on the team. I think what what's getting me here is that instead of taking all the threes still while we're not <laughs> hitting them at a, a huge clip, if we focus on that, if Trey focuses on, you know, getting to the line, I, dishing the ball, like the, it builds. It'll it it it'll happen organically. Yeah. I don't want to I don't want to force things this early in the season when we're trying to work together. Um, but a shooter's gonna shoot.
0: That's well, that's the hilarious. thing too, you know. As a shooter, you know, uh, I don't know if they would agree with this or not, but I, you know, Steph Curry's not going to uh, get back, uh, not get a, get his stroke back. I'm not saying he's lost it. I just I threw a, I threw a name out there. You don't get your stroke back by not taking threes, you know. Because sure, then, then you're. Not, and and Trey said it. Maybe it's the same thing he said at the beginning of the season. Hey, I, w- I wasn't seeing the rim well when I started eyeing the bottom of the rim and started focusing on my knees. Like maybe. Because, look, that's the been, been the big thing so far is the Hawks start off slow and a little sloppy. So, I mean, who knows what it is, but they're, they're going to be taking them, and he'll find it. it. And he even said it won't take long, but now he didn't say it's going to be game 15. He just said it won't take long. So how long is that for Trey? I don't know. But, you know, again, like you and I aren't worried because we're at game nine. Yep. But some people are, and we just want to tell you, Atlanta, just cool out. Six and three is just fine. There's uh no need to, you know, play crazy Atlanta fan and, and ring the bells and run around with your shirt off, screaming like a madman that the the Hawks are going down and we gotta we gotta get rid of Trey Young and, and fire Coach Nate and and Dejounte Murray's just not who we thought he was going to be and oh, no. I just don't know about John we've, Collins and Clint Capela. We've reached, you know? the, we've reached
1: the uh, <laughs> in nine games we've reached the. Trade John Collins. He's just not that guy. We need another superstar here. Yeah, we've in so nine again, games. Was, we've
0: reached that. You can act that way if you want to, but I assure you that nobody in the Hawks front office—and I'd hate that we have to say this every day—but we're going to drill it into your head. We're going to drill it into your head that you don't have to be this way. You don't have to live life so so stressed out all the time. Stop stressing about the damn Hawks. Yeah, they're in first place. They're and six and three. It's okay, and it's early. Yeah, it's so early. early. You know, same thing with the Braves fans. They did it in April. You know, hey, everybody relax. These are good players. We have good young talent in Atlanta. We have a good GM. We have good ownership. Like, just be cool. Deep breaths. Be like Fonzie, you know. Samuel L. Jackson told us to all be like, let's all be like a bunch of Fonzies. And what's Fonzie like? Cool. Cool. So, you guys be cool because we're going to be cool. And, man, we will see you next week because Mark's going to travel. Somebody's got to do the dirty work of traveling to all these fun sporting events, and we've picked Mark. So he's going to go all the way up to Carolina. He has other business up there, too. You guys are doing something else, but it was kind of like, Adam, well, you know, since we're there, we might as well swing by this game. What happened is Adam Sandler is ah, yes. Friday night in Greenville, South Carolina. All right, I, I know. I, don't, I didn't want to interrupt you. But what say you meet up with Sandler? Get him a jersey. And he does his best Bobby Boucher. Sign him, play up, play for the Falcons. Sign him up. Get the water boy out there to knock some heads in Carolina. They're both there. I'm just saying. We do need that crazy linebacker. Just crazy enough to work. We do just, need that it's crazy line. Just linebacker. crazy enough to work. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I had to get that in there. Sorry, I interrupted a, uh, your stream of consciousness, but
1: no, uh, that's it. Just uh the uh, plan was to head up there for Sandler on Friday, and then I realized duh we're playing in Charlotte on Thursday, so why not make it a, a big old week? Good friend Paul going to his first NFL game with me. Taking my son up there as well. It's going to be a sweet little boys trip up to Charlotte and then back to Greenville for that's, the Sandman. That's Ric
0: Flair country up yeah, there. Yeah, is. Woo. You're, you're in Flair town. Hmm. So... I'm just saying, Thursday night, Sandler suits up for the Falcons, goes full Bobby Boucher, we destroy the Panthers, then he has an amazing show in some arena on Friday night. We become best friends. I am yeah. all of a sudden in yeah. all of his movies. You're in Uncut Gems Part 2. Sweet. I hope I'm the gem. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, that's enough out of us for one afternoon. We'll see you next time, Atlanta. We love you. Take care. Peace. Do you believe?